are tuning in to the Love Breezy Bree Yoga podcast. My name is Bree, and you can find me at lovebreezybreeyoga.com. Check out the show notes for more information, including a link to my website. Thank you so much for listening. Namaste. Hey there, yogis. It's Breezy Bree, and I'm so sorry for interrupting the show and our flow. But did you know that you could help support the podcast in a very simple way? I mean, let's face it, you were already going to buy yoga pants, right? As a Lululemon influencer, I'm part of the Lululemon Collective and will receive a commission if you make a purchase through the links below in the show notes. So please purchase your Lululemon yoga pants and all your other gear and join the hashtag The Sweat Life with me and support the yoga podcast. I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. Namaste. Hello, yogis. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. Most recently, we discussed alignment-informed yoga. So I think it's only appropriate that today we talk about anatomy-based yoga. Now, we've definitely been unpacking lots of different disciplines of yoga recently on the podcast, as well as other concepts and ideas. Rather, we're talking about trauma-informed yoga or how yoga can benefit the body or just different ways for us as the practitioner to be able to realize that this is not only a beautiful philosophy, but it's vast and it's lifelong and there's so much to learn and we can make so many connections back to our lives depending on where we're at at any given moment. We can tune back into self and take yoga along with us. So I hope that this is just another opportunity for you to realize that yoga has so much that it can offer to your life and always remembering that it's a practice. There is a lot that we have to learn. This podcast has over 200 episodes, and I still have hundreds of episodes planned for the future. So there's a lot, and I want you to realize that I am just helping you to plant little seeds and also just giving you a gentle reminder that there's always something new that you can learn. But definitely remember that yoga will meet you on the mat. You do not have to understand all of this all at once. Some of it will apply to your life immediately. Some of it will come to you later. Some of it's just good for you to understand exists. And also to realize that this is one of those practices that is really beautiful and I know that we all understand that but it can also be very complex and complicated and in some ways a little bit intimidating and I know when we think about the word anatomy that can bring up some immediate thoughts of feeling intimidated so I definitely want you to realize that this is not coming from a place of some sort of like surgeon (laughs) not a surgeon I do not understand anatomy to that degree but I definitely have a background enough to be able to have gentle awareness and I've taught in so many disciplines and done so much studying within yoga and outside of yoga that I feel really confident to say that anatomy is definitely something that if we, if we at least understand some of the basics, it will inform our practice to an entire new level. 
And on some respect, or in some respect, I should say, alignment-informed yoga is really one of those things that we can get the most out of if we understand the anatomical foundations prior to. So let's go ahead and unpack this. Now, I definitely want to let you know that I'm going to come from a place that we are all practitioners, whether you're a yoga teacher or a student, we all practice the discipline, and hopefully we are all also students, meaning we are willing to learn and grow and change our mind and be open-minded and all of it. So things change even in the world of science. We are still learning so much about the human mind, the human body, and how they are connected. So Definitely be open to new information constantly coming and old information constantly going. So today, let's first understand that anatomy is sort of like thinking about the foundation of a home and thinking about the roof and thinking about the four walls as well as the windows and the door. And we're going to come from that perspective when we're thinking about anatomy-based yoga so we're not going to delve super deep into it. There are definitely going to be concepts and ideas that resonate with you more than me and vice versa. And hopefully this will spark your interest in going out and continuing to learn more about how anatomy can help you as the practitioner or you as the teacher. So one of the other things I want to just briefly mention before we begin the actual content of the show today is there are a lot of reasons why we can be disconnected from our body. And we talked about this with the trauma-informed episode, but also outside of that very important concept as well, we can just have this disconnection. I've taught gymnasts that have such disconnection from their body that they are needing me to just tell them exactly what to do and they'll figure out how to do it, right? And then I've also worked with people who are beautiful salsa dancers, for instance, and they have total body awareness. You can tell them to slightly move their hip to the left and they're only gonna move their hip. They're going to completely segregate that part of their body from the rest. And some people, you ask them to move their hip slightly to the left and they'll move their feet, their shoulders, their head, everything. So we also have to be mindful that when we're talking about asana practice or we're talking about any other type of body movement and also anatomy that there's a lot that goes into teaching that as well as practicing it i love studying anatomy i love studying it in not only yoga context but also i've studied anatomy in weightlifting for instance like you know, the anatomical effects of moving the bicep with a dumbbell. <laughs> and I've taken some of that information into teaching yoga, into teaching cheerleaders and so on and so forth. But I have to say, when you really focus on how something shows up in that discipline, obviously it's going to mean much more. So if I'm teaching something to a gymnast, 
and I'm focused on how to explain the effects of that posture or that movement, I should say, for what that gymnast is trying to accomplish, well, obviously that's going to make way more sense to that person than if I'm teaching them about Warrior Three, right? And although in gymnastics there is a variation of Warrior Three, it's not called Warrior Three, and it doesn't have the same um, end result or goal that we're looking for in gymnastics as we're looking for in yoga, for instance. So just kind of understanding that, you know, even though anatomy is universal in so many ways, meaning Ideally, we all have ankles and knees and shoulders and hips and things of that nature. We also are tailoring this, these very concepts for yoga, for the asana, for the postures that we practice in our classes. So also just really being able to make that distinction is really important. So... There's that, especially if you're a teacher, you're going to want to really understand how anatomy shows up in the asana of yoga. But if you're a student, a practitioner, it's also just important to understand the shape of the body and to understand the different body parts on a larger, grander scale, rather you're practicing yoga or lifting weights or doing gymnastics or dancing salsa, right? You still want to understand where the hip bones connected. And so just having that basic foundational understanding of how to build a house, all houses need a roof, all houses need foundation and walls, and then being able to take it to the next level where then you're going, okay, what differentiates this house from this house? Okay, this house is this many square footage and has this many rooms and this house has two stories. And then of course, taking it even further, so on and so forth, right? Well, we want to unpack anatomy as a foundation to a yoga practice in that same way. So we're just going to focus on the things that make the most sense. And then as you delve deeper into understanding anatomy for your own body, hopefully, and teachers as the collective, then we can begin to make those little distinctions between one house and the next. And that's ultimately the goal, but definitely not something that you have to strive to be really proficient at on day one. So some of the things that I believe to be really important when we're thinking about how to make a more anatomy-based yoga practice and why it's important I'm going to begin to unpack in today's episode. Now, make sure to check out the show notes because I have some really great episodes that have been recorded and published in the past that are absolutely related to today's topic. So you might want to go and listen to those as well if this really is something that you feel is important to your practice and especially if you're a teacher as well. So let's go ahead and talk about everything that we want to think about when we're thinking about an anatomy-based yoga practice and why we want to think about anatomy and yoga. Now, obviously, when we think about anatomy, we're thinking about the body and we're thinking about the biology of the body, but we also want to make sure we remember that there is an esoteric element to yoga, the energy system, 
the art of yoga that is also really important, not just the science. But what I love about discussing anatomy and discussing the science of yoga is it really creates professionalism and the idea of what yoga can do for the body, for the mind, and for the spirit, of course, right? But we start to really align ourselves with some really important disciplines of the body, such as, you know, physical therapy and massage therapy and chiropractic work and other beautiful disciplines that can really begin to line themselves up when we think about yoga from a therapeutic perspective. Yoga therapy is a real beautiful discipline and is very different than what you're going to find in your typical yoga studio class. When we're thinking about yoga for the back, yoga for the spine, yoga for sciatica, yoga for prenatal, we're starting to delve a lot deeper into why anatomy based yoga exists and why it's really important to understand it even if it's just on a very minute level okay so if you've ever had an injury in your body then you know that you have been completely informed about that body part (laughs) there's nothing like a person who has had a surgery on their shoulder or an injury somewhere in their lower back to tell you every vertebrae, where it's located, the actual anatomical names, and they're practically at physician level, right? So what we want to do is we want to have that same body awareness without having a motivational reason to get there, such as an injury. We want to sort of be able to have a general idea of why the body is set up the way it is, at least be able to name some of the major muscle groups, some of the major bones and body parts, and be able to connect that back to yoga, and then what the benefits of practicing yoga can be for those body parts and those modalities and all of that. So We really want to have that in mind when we're thinking about understanding an anatomy or anatomical-based yoga practice. So there's definitely a lot to learn about the human body, and it's easy to become overwhelmed, okay? So whether you're a yoga teacher or a student, we're all practitioners, as I mentioned, it's definitely helpful to remember that the biggest reason that we want to even discuss anatomy is to facilitate a healthy practice. And we want to understand what's going on in the body. So if you're not sure where to start, I really think it's awesome to always remember the root to rise concept. And when you really spend time understanding each body part from the root up, you can really decide to segregate the body and section it off in a way that makes it accessible for you to learn about your body. So if you just start with the feet and you just ask yourself some basic questions about your feet, just how do they feel? What bothers them? Do they ache? Do they feel comfortable? What do the ball of the feet feel like? What are my arches like? How does it feel when I wiggle the toes? Can I come up on tippy toes? How does it feel when I come up on my heels? When you just start from that basic concept from your feet and then you work your way up to the ankles, the knees, the thighs, the hips, so on and so forth, you can begin to at least 
make some connections with your body. And then you can begin to take that deeper and deeper and as deep as you want to really go. But I'm going to actually break this down into some categories to give you a general idea of what you can start to think about as you think about an anatomy-based yoga practice. So understanding the major movements of the body is really important. Now, of course, we understand that yoga is a practice of connecting movement to breath. But what is movement? Movement can be described in various ways. So in order to understand it from an anatomical perspective, we actually need to know the planes of the body and how moving different body parts creates actions such as flexion, extension, and internal and external rotation. Now, the challenge isn't in understanding these movements in theory. It's actually applying them to different body parts and poses. Often in one pose, there can be three or more actions taking place concurrently. So when I think of like bridge pose, bridge pose is one of those postures that can be practiced every single day and it will be really appreciated by your body, right? Also, there's a lot of different ways to practice bridge pose, rather using support such as a block or your own shoulders or not, or you're doing hip thrust, or you're lifting one leg. I mean, you could do bridge pose in lots of different ways. But if we're just focusing on the anatomy and what's happening in the body in bridge pose, we can focus on bridge pose and what our shoulders feel like, our hips, our lower back, our thyroid gland, our feet. I mean, we can really break out body parts in that one pose And of course, we don't want to necessarily focus on all of them at once. We can focus on one body part and one purpose in this one posture over weeks or over days, right? So it really is something to think about when you're thinking about the practice of asana and you're thinking about anatomy. I personally love to kind of take inventory of my body. And I like to do it throughout postures. Now, sometimes I'm practicing in a way that doesn't lend itself to this like type of methodical concept that I'm describing here. But when I do have the opportunity to be that introspective during my practice, I do like to take myself through that physical awareness. Now, it's awesome as well as if you have practices where you're really thinking about the physical and then you have other practices where you're really thinking about you know, how you're feeling mentally. And then you have other practices where you're thinking about how you're feeling spiritually. So you don't have to focus on one thing or all of them all at once either. But bringing it back to anatomy-based yoga, we would purposely and intentionally be thinking about body parts, how the body's feeling, what this posture is doing to the body. Is it aiding in digestive? digestion? Is it aiding in relaxation of the nervous system? What is happening from a biological, anatomical, physiological perspective? So those are some ways to think about that too. So just understanding the major movements of the body. 
Also understanding the major bones of the body. Now the body is comprised of 206 bones. There are 26 bones in the foot alone. If you've ever broken a bone in your foot, (laughs) you will understand that, right? Now, while it might be your passion to understand and be able to name all 206 bones, it's definitely not necessary for us to have an anatomy-based yoga practice for sure. So just understanding the baseline, certainly the bones in the arms and legs and torso might be essential to know in order to understand the basic structure of the body. Also, understanding and knowing the names of the bones could come in handy as you begin to review the origin and insertion of major muscles as they pertain to those bones. Now, another thing that is great to understand is the major joints of the body. So we know that yoga is a movement-based activity, at least the asana part of the practice. And we know that the body is made up of the bones and muscles, among other parts. Joints are actually between the bones. And understanding the types of joints in each part of the body has significant implications for the kinds of movements that are safe and accessible and the kinds of movements that are more risky, especially depending on a practitioner's knowledge, degree of strength, and flexibility. So there are several types of freely movable joints. You know, we have the hinge, the ball and socket, we have gliding, we pivot, we saddle. So we have a lot going on when we think about the joints. So at a minimum, it's helpful to understand each one and to really understand how we can take that into our practice. So I love that. I I love talking about the joints because people tend to understand their joints as they get older And the demographic of yoga, which I've talked about in another podcast episode, which I think will be linked below. I believe it was in the yoga therapy versus just regular um, non-yoga therapy. Like what's the difference between a yoga therapist and a yoga teacher episode? I believe I talked about the demographic of practitioners becoming more and more um, older in their bodies And in that, we tend to really focus on the joints, (laughs) right? We can feel them a lot more the older we get. But also athletes can feel their joints and understand their joints. So this is a place that us as practitioners can really begin to dial this in a lot more. And definitely if you teach yoga. Now, the major muscles of the body is another one that is essential to kind of unpack when we're thinking about an anatomy-based yoga practice. And this is one of the toughest topics to wean down to what is considered to be essential or not essential. Now, the easiest way to begin for me is the root to rise kind of concept, but you can also just break the body down into the large parts like shoulder, hip, the trunk, and then examine the muscles in these areas. So if you're thinking about the legs, obviously you can start to unpack that with the quadriceps and the hamstrings, and then so on and so forth. So really just understanding those anatomical relationships to the muscles of the body. The next thing that's really important is the structure and composition of the spine. I wholeheartedly believe that the spine is just one of those major parts of yoga. I think 
yoga is really, when you're teaching asana, it should really come from the place of teaching it from understanding the spine. And I also love the spine because it also lends to the esoteric parts of yoga as we think about the chakra system as well. And then the spine really brings us back to alignment. So the spine for me is completely foundational. And if you learn nothing else (laughs) on your anatomy-based foundational part of understanding your practice, understanding your spine is probably going to be, in my opinion, the most important part of the anatomy part of understanding yoga. So the spine is the central axis of the body and understanding its competition or composition, I should say, function and surrounding muscles can help you in the presentation of poses as well as if you are creating any custom sequencing for yourself or for your classes. As you may know, I actually sell customized, tailored to your body sequences on my website. And I tend to work a lot with people who are suffering from something when they order the sequences, such as lower back pain or sciatica. But I actually have been selling a lot of sequences in the last few months to people who want to do like some sort of a peak pose or get really good at learning like crow or crane or headstand. And I try to then tailor the sequence around them working one-on-one with a teacher wherever they live, hopefully, and bringing their sequence and being able to warm the body up and cool the body down. And there's some questions that I need answered prior to feeling comfortable creating these sequences for this type of um, student that's looking for more of a pose-related sequence versus a student who's looking for a therapeutic-related sequence. Um, But either way, I still have to understand not only how to describe alignment, but how to describe anatomy so that it is universal. Like I said, we all have some knees and some hips and some ankles, right? So that's really helpful when I'm thinking about really creating that type of a sequence for my students. So that's important as well. Now, also just thinking about alignment. When we talked about that last week, we don't want to come from a place of alignment where it's one size fits all. Now, there are some disciplines of yoga where that was more of the name of the game. But as we become more informed with yoga, meeting the student on the mat, dealing with older populations, dealing with populations that have injury and ailments that are already present prior to yoga. We cannot just focus on alignment as a way of creating like the best practices of doing this one posture. We have to have a lot of different variations and options and props and positions to be able to teach that one practice or that excuse me that one asana pose so like teaching warrior two definitely has some fundamental alignment options and specifications but we want to also understand anatomy enough to be able to get that practitioner into that pose in a way that is best suited for their body and only way you can do that is to actually be able to describe and understand what's important about anatomy and alignment together 
for the student, for the posture. So there's a lot going on there. But it's important to be able to do that professionally if you're a teacher and to be able to have some general idea of how to receive that information if not understand it yourself as a student. So we talked about joints and muscles and the spine and also understanding muscles in action is important. So not only understanding just the muscle, but like what happens when it's moving, when it's actionable. So being able to not only understand muscles and bones, but when you're thinking about muscles in action, the bones are moving, the joints are now in action as well. And so really being able to identify what is happening in the pose from a muscular standpoint, kind of like I was talking about with the bodybuilding, moving the bicep with the dumbbell and what is happening in the muscle is the same concept when we're thinking about transitioning into yoga postures. Now, as I mentioned in last week's Alignment Informed episode, most injuries show up in transitions than in any other time in the yoga practice. So transitioning your body in a way that's healthy and helpful through alignment and anatomy-informed ways is really important to be able to tell your student to pivot from a part of their foot from the ball to the toes is going to be really important and to be able to describe that in both an anatomical and alignment perspective so that it's done in the most safe manner is really going to be pivotal to having that type of, I think, um, disciplined practice as a teacher and as a student to be able to understand what is being discussed as well. Like what does it mean to hinge at the hips? you know, as a student, where are your hips? You know what I mean? If you're practicing in a studio class, can the teacher see what you're doing every single time you do it? You have to have some of this awareness as well. And again, I'm always talking about private lessons, but these are some of the reasons why. Now, we talked about alignment, and I just think that when you begin to bring all of this together and just have some general ideas of the top yoga postures that you teach in class or that you practice as a student, if you practice your own personal practice, you have some go-to postures that you probably love, such as cat-cow. And if you teach, you probably have some fundamental postures that you teach as well. And rather, it's downward-facing dog, Mountain Pose, Cat-Cow, Bridge, The Warriors, Sun Salutations, Lunges, things of that nature that are going to show up in 90% of classes and 90% of your sequences with your 10% variation on pose, uh, peak poses or whatever you're doing that's on yoga asana related. So Pilates or just general stretches of the body. If you can just understand the anatomical effects of those postures that are always showing up in class as a student or as a teacher, then you're going to get the best out of it. Think about the example we did with Bridge. So I hope that this gives you at least some sort of awareness to start thinking about. And for you as the practitioner, as the student, I want you to take inventory of your body 
after this episode and try to make this a practice. If you come to my classes or listen to my classes on the podcast, I definitely walk you through this practice already. But if you're new to this, I invite you to take inventory of your body. What's showing up? Where do you have stress? Where do you have old injury? Where do you have ailments? What is coming to mind immediately when you're thinking about taking inventory of the body? What do you find yourself kind of babysitting on a day-to-day basis? Like if your right hip is hurting you, do you lean more to the left? Things of that nature. Get to know your body at least from that perspective. Maybe even taking some mental notes, maybe taking actual notes. And then when you find yourself practicing, maybe, for instance, you have a lot of stress that you carry in your lower back. Maybe you also have an old injury in your shoulder. And so now your hips are a little bit misaligned or out of balance because of the stress in the lower back and the old injury in the shoulder. It's all relating back to the hips. And then because the hips are misaligned, you also notice that your knees have some issues as well. So then we're going to start to focus on what we can focus on immediately. Well, we can focus on relieving stress and tension in the body a lot more, I think, intentionally and definitely faster than we might be able to heal an injury in the shoulder or misalignment of the hips or pain in the knees from the misalignment. So we focus on the lower back, relieving the stress first, and then we can start to focus on other areas of the body. So again, this is going to take some homework and some intention on you as the practitioner to understand your own body. Your teacher is going to cue and generalize to the best of their ability in a class setting to be able to try to hit what some of the most frequent issues and places that the body is going to show issues first for most people, but is definitely not going to be able to single you out without understanding what you're going through. So you're going to have to really help the teacher help you. And even if you do not get a private lesson to be able to take this deeper, at least if you know that your whole goal today is to relieve stress in the lower back, then when you're taking cat cows and your teacher is cueing you for lower back stuff, you can really take your attention to that place wholeheartedly, right? So having an anatomy-based practice is really important for that perspective alone. Now, obviously, if you're a teacher, being able to convey and describe and demonstrate what you're discussing to your student is going to be equally important, if not more important. Telling your student to engage their scapula is not going to be the same thing as also pointing to it, demonstrating it, and then teaching it through verbal cues as well as you know visual cues. And so you as the teacher are going to need to be able to understand how to describe the psoas muscle if you're going to talk about it, right? And do I think it's important to talk about this stuff? Absolutely. Why? Because the student needs to understand that there's much more to yoga than just energy centers, right? 
although that's beautiful and that's a huge part of the practice and the philosophy, we want the student to understand that this is a wholehearted investment of their money, their time, their energy, their the future, their consistency, their determination and hard work. All of that needs to be understand, understood by the student from a place where we can give them as many tools as possible to be able to have an informed decision as to why they're even practicing other than it just feels good, right? Some real informative reasons why yoga is going to be a beautiful lifelong practice. Is it a total all-in-one practice? Absolutely not. There's lots of other things that you can do to complement your yoga practice that you should consider doing, and I've even done episodes about that. But is it pretty close to being a nice, well-rounded discipline to have in your life? Absolutely. So with that said, I think it's really important that we do as much as we can as teachers, as students, and all of us collectively as practitioners to make this beautiful philosophy of yoga and the beautiful discipline of moving the body as scientific and artistic as we can. So thank you so much for listening. Definitely check out the show notes for more information on episodes that are related to today's topic. And I hope that this sparks some interest for you and your practice. I will see you soon. Meet you on the mat. Namaste. I am so honored that you are listening to the Love Breezy Bree Yoga podcast. Never miss an episode. Download the free app on iTunes, Apple Podcast, Spotify, or Stitcher. Please also rate the show with five stars. I would greatly appreciate that. Visit me on my website at lovebreezybreeyoga.com. I include free yoga sequences every single month. You can leave a comment or message me and we can connect. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful personal practice. Namaste.